Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling. Greg is a practicing psychotherapist and holistic life coach who has learned through professional practice and personal experience that without connection to self, real connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you have a question or a comment and you'd like to connect with Greg, you can call 425-373-5527, or you can also go to his website, KuiperCounseling.com. He has a contact page. He would love to hear from you. In the meantime, we would love to hear from you, Greg. Hello. Hello. How Good to be here. are you? I'm great this week. Wow. I, I just listened to JD's thing, and I am... I am. I have a great perspective. Right? Yes. Keeping calm. Keeping calm. I love it. It's great. So shall we recap last week? Sure, let's do that. Okay. So we talked about, we've been continuing this conversation about illusion in relationships with significant others, how it um, can be triggered, recognizing how it's triggered. Um and that really understanding that cause and effect can be really confusing. It can be almost embarrassing. Right. Um, and it can also actually, you touched on the idea that it can result in some shame. And that um, it is, it's awful. I hate shame. It's how you perceive yourself. It's how you feel about yourself. Right. right? Yeah. It's a conscious opinion of yourself, basically. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you touched on it um, as you were talking about Steve and Charlotte Mm -hmm. and the homework that you were giving them. And I, of course, had my own thoughts about the homework that you gave and recognizing. (laughs) I wondered if you would. (laughs) Oh, I was like all week like, oh, there are are reactions. How many did you have? (laughs) Oh, I actually I managed to remember to do this for a about three and a half days, I would say. <laughs> right. And the funny thing is, um, I started with it. My mom was in town, and where I actually started with it was with her. <laughs> I bet. And that was fascinating. And I was like, okay, we're in like the teens now after the three days. And then <laughs> I started it with Pete sort of simultaneously, and then I forgot. Um, but it was fascinating how many stories and narratives and illusions and triggers and holy cow lions and tigers and bears oh my yeah it's amazing how many you can think of or how many come up during the week and it's you know it it the, these are the these reactions are the, are the are the things that trigger these uh, illusions that trigger these things from the past and then we trigger our partners and the critical loop gets going and the grand illusion and before you know it um, we're not in tune with each other at all. No. It happens a lot. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's like being a hamster on a wheel. Right. And you're both on a wheel, and you're running parallel but in opposite directions. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that. Okay. Right? Like you're both on a wheel, and you're next to each other, but you're like, you're yeah. going in the opposite. Passing. I don't even think I could do that with my hands right now. No, no. <laughs> so. Yeah. But it's these reactions that 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 I was asking Stephen Char to to look at during the week, and for everyone to look at. I mean, 
the reactions come from our, our subconscious, right? Um, and it's a major key to un- unlocking these illusions we've been talking about. So, you know, what are reactions? What, what, what's a reaction? What do you, what do you, what do you define a reaction? Uh, well, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, everything from uh, a reaction of frustration mm-hmm. where, you know, I can't believe you don't know that thing <laughs> that right. I didn't tell you that you should know, <laughs> but you should somehow just intrinsically know because you know me, um, oh you know. My. Oh, it sounds like my wife. Uh, yeah, well. You I, should know me by now. Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so there's, I think that's a universal thing. Yes, it um, is. So just that frustration when it is something that feels like, you know, was done to me. Right. Right. Versus the reaction that I have when I realize that I have done to others. I I came up this week with a phrase called mom skewsing. It's like mansplaining. But okay, it's when moms right. make excuses for things like, sure. oh, I'm sure this person didn't mean to do that. They were just right. fill in the blank. Right. And so. Um, mom excusing. Mom excusing. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. So <laughs> it's funny how much grace I have for myself because I just bury it. Right. And I'm like, what? that was fine. Don't worry about it. Versus when it's been done unto me. Yep. I'm like, how dare you? Right. <laughs> right. Well, these reactions are like instant responses, right, to some kind of a stimulus we have, you know, some kind of a sensation or whatever. It's, it, it's an instant response, and that stimulus is, uh, the, is information or energy, if you will, something someone says or we read or we hear something or, or behaviors we witness or uh, just being in the presence of someone with a different energy, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, we can get a reaction uh, an instant response to that. And all of these stimuli produce a reaction. And and they can also produce an action in us, not just a reaction. So what's the difference? Action and reaction. Act versus react. Oh, this is going to be really good for me. I can tell. <laughs> well, I'm a New Yorker. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I distinguish the two by what happens in the brain, right, when the stimulus is received. So so let's look at a little brain uh, brain work here. Let's look at it from a standpoint of emotional action or reaction. So we get a sensation experienced by our physical body. And this sensu- the sensation goes, yeah, I can't even say it. Sensation goes through a complicated network of uh, neural pathways in our brain and reaches the prefrontal cortex and that's where it's assessed, right? So, prefrontal cortex, well, what do we have here? Looks like some sadness. Then the assessment gets routed to another part of the brain, the amygdala. And this is where it's processed through an even more complicated arrangement of interactions with all kinds of brain components. We won't get into that, but, but, but basically what we've got is assessment of the sensation or the stimulus, and then processing. And that's pretty much like what we try to do every day, right? Mm -hmm. Assess information, then process it, and then act on it. Oops. Right. (laughs) I know where I've gone wrong already. (laughs) (laughs) But what determines, what determines here now how we act on it? I'm going to get to the answer to that in a minute. But first, first I want to look at reaction. We looked at acting. 
or an action. But now let's look at reaction. In this case, the stimulus or the sensation produces a fear or survival response, fight or flight or freeze, right? So over hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, mammals have developed an instant response to this kind of stimuli, right? We're a mammal. We don't take time to ponder and assess. We run. In these instances, the sympathetic nervous system is, is taking charge, and the stimulus goes directly to the amygdala for processing. No time for the assessment in the prefrontal cortex, right? It just bypasses. And we react to this stimulus without thinking about it, even for an instant. It's just a reaction. This is explaining so much. <laughs> well, what determines, right, whether a particular stimulus, stimulus why do I have a hard time with that today? Stimulus gets an assessment or not, right? What, here's, here's this stimulus, this, this sensation we get. What determines? Is it going to be assessed or are we going to react? Not every input we get is life-threatening, right? So, so why can some seemingly innocuous sensations or stimuli in the form of behaviors or information or energy get routed to the amygdala, avoiding the assessment in the prefrontal cortex? How does that happen? You have an answer? <laughs> I, I have. You're fun. raising your hand. I do. I, I'm front loaded. It's like what JD was talking about on his show. You have an itchy trigger finger. Mm. I'm sure you're going to explain it from a neurological, neuroscience standpoint. Right. Well, but itchy trigger finger is good, right? And that's right where we're getting to. Perfect. Here. Look at me. It is. <laughs> so, so how many times do we wish after the fact, right, that a little assessment would have been extremely helpful? Right before I, or after I pushed that send button that I wished I wouldn't have pushed or, or got angry when I wished I wouldn't have. And, you know, if we would have just had a little assessment, we probably would have avoided some troubling interactions, right? So where was my prefrontal cortex, right? You want a break or what, where was it? The answer requires a little more in-depth look at what's going on in the amygdala. So... Bear with me here as we go into the brain a little bit. The amygdala is in a part of the brain designated as the limbic system. And it's composed of not only the amygdala, but the hypothalamus, the thalamus, and the hippocampus. Now, we're not going to get into a detailed discussion of these components. Uh, but the reason they're designated a system is that they work together, right? System. So the amygdala's main function in, is in emotional responses, as we mentioned. Feelings of happiness, fear, anger, anxiety, you name it. Emotion, emotional response. It's also key in the formation of new memories as it interacts with the hippocampus by attaching emotional content to memories. Very important here. <laughs> attaching emotional content to our memories. So, in attaching emotional contact to content to memories, uh, the amygdala plays a part in how memorable memories can be. Mm. Following me? Yes. So the more emotional content a memory has, the more it tends to stick. And the memory is more robustly stored away in there somewhere. And... 
the amygdala also does what it what is called fear learning. And this is when after only a few repetitions, fearful memories can really be locked in. And many times this results in our avoidance of fearful stimuli, the fight or flight response we were talking about. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, this like yeah, this is big. This explains so much. This is my blood on the oriental rug moment. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about I'm it. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay, back to our earlier question, right? So let's go back to the question that I avoided or got sidetracked on there. What determines whether a particular stimulus stimulus gets an assessment or not? Does it go to the prefrontal cortex? Does it go to the amygdala? Why can someone saying something like, oh, you never get it right? Or you're acting just like your dad. How can those things elicit elicit a reaction instead of a calmer action and a response? I mean, it could elicit either, right? So how we respond to all input and stimulus is greatly influenced by our memories, what we have stored away from past similar experiences. So the limbic system sorts through all this storage in an incredibly efficient fashion. And, you know, if that memory is emotionally charged in a negative way, particularly fearful, the amygdala kicks in the fight-or-flight response, and we react. We don't assess and act. We react. So it all comes down to how much emotion we have attached to the memories around the stimulus. So when someone says you're acting just like your dad and it turns out your dad is a jerk and acted a certain way, then we've attached negative connotation and memory and fear potentially. And so then that triggers something. Right. So think of all, you know, uh, if if that dad was emotionally abusive in that way for years, day after day after day after day, for the 18 years that the child was there, there's some fairly heavily emotions attached to the memories of those responses, right? Fear, anger, shame, guilt. And, and the stimulus many times doesn't make it to the prefrontal cortex for assessment, right? We just react. So when our interactions and relationships, whether it be way back in childhood or as an adult, whatever relationship, when they are interpreted by our limbic system as emotionally abusive and hurtful. And if they are repeated over and over and over again, there's more than likely going to be a fear response to any trigger to those interactions. No assessment or thinking about our response. It's just we're just going to react because of the emotional content connected to the memories of those stimuli. So... Uh, you know, this is a big thing in addiction, right? The, the pleasure that one receives from that behavior is, becomes so emotionally charged that it gets stored powerfully in the brain. And we call that euphoric recall. And it's, it, it, it's like when a... Someone in recovery can walk by the mini mart they used to buy their liquor at and just get totally triggered right there. That euphoric recall comes flooding back over them. So, so this is a, 
this emotional connection with the memories, right? Wow. Yeah. And uh, so we've got euphoric recall. I like to call the one we're talking about dysphoric recall or distressed recall, right? So here we are recalling these very um, distressing moments from our past. And these reactions, we used, at one time we used them to protect us emotionally, right? So we could survive to another day in an emotionally disturbed relationship. We used them as defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms, whatever term you want to use. And now they are in the way of our personal and interpersonal growth automatically occurring to the same stimulus as they used to because it's subconscious, it's automatic, it's an emotionally charged memory. Wow. 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 I think this is really important for us to understand as we navigate with our partners, right, these illusions we're talking about in our responses. It's necessary to assess the shame and guilt and, and, and realize that it's not real, it's false, right? The truth is, our nervous system has been responding to stimulus that triggers emotional trauma. We aren't intentionally, most of us, are not intentionally trying to hurt our partner with these reactions. They're reactions, you know. We're, it, it, but we can take it on ourselves later as, oh my God, what did I do? Right, so that's what's important about this shame piece that we talk about. So the answer to all this is simple, but it's far from easy, way far from easy. Awareness. Once we can bring into our awareness these reactions and triggers, we can start to act on them with the assessment of our prefrontal cortex, acting versus reacting. And this awareness takes the four Ps. You remember those? We talked about them a long time ago. Yeah. Um, Awareness. Uh, you got to review them. <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't asking you to remember them, but I, I, it was kind of a rhetorical. Yeah. I, well, but I'm still <laughs> like, I have all the notes right in front of me and I'm still like. Uh, Presence. Yes. Patience. Practice. And positive thinking. Right. So that just means being in the moment as much as you can. Cutting yourself some slack. Repetition, practice, and keeping it all curious and exciting, right, rather than depressing and dreadful. Right. You talk a lot about that curiosity piece and that if we well, approach that's, things. that's the positive thinking mm-hmm. part, right? I mean, if we look at something with the sense of discovery and exploration, it's, it's uh, arousing something in us that's, that's positive rather than dreading something. So... See if you can move through your week, checking in every now and then, and noticing your reactions or actions to what is coming at you. And then we take it further and discuss your reactions during the week with your partner's description of their reactions. The triggers to the illusions will reveal themselves once you start doing this. It takes practice, you know. Um, and, and many times it's after the fact, at, at the beginning, you're, you don't catch your reactions. or they're, they're not reactions if you catch them, right? Right. And I should probably tell my partner that I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, be a good idea. Ask him to do it, too. Okay. <laughs> so this is what I asked Char and Steve to do during the week. 
after our last, last session. So let's see what happened. After they settled in, I asked them about their week and how the homework assignment went for each of them regarding the monitoring their reactions. Steve said, we had a pretty good week. I don't think I did great on the homework, but there was a couple of times I remember noticing reactions I had. After the fact, of course, not in time to shut it off before I could do some damage. I jumped in. Remember, Steve, it's not you causing any damage, as you called it. It's your automatic reactions. Okay, okay. I continued, it's an important distinction for us to keep at the forefront of our thinking. These reactions aren't real and intentional. They are just happening. It helps with the shame when we can associate this to the response. Tell me about the couple of times you remember reactions you had during the week. He answered, one was an interaction with Char. You remember? He turned to her and she nodded affirmatively. I was in the middle of doing something. Really, folks. And she came to me and demanded I take some things downstairs. She interjected, it was the fourth time I had asked you to do it. You didn't ask, you told me. There's a difference. Anyway, he continued, I lost it and told her she was being controlling again and I would get to it when I could, just like I told her the last time. And then I stomped off. Later, after thinking about it, I went back to her and tried to apologize. I'm not very good at that. And I told her I reacted and wasn't thinking. We talked it through. Char stepped in. I did ask at first. Then as it escalated, I reacted by being demanding. And I think that triggered Steve's illusion of how his dad used to demand everything of him and then tell him he never could do it right. Steve replied, yeah. And my reaction triggered something in her, too. I asked, what was it, Char? I was never hurt. No one ever considered what I needed as a child. I said, this is a great awareness for both of you. You think so, Steve asked. I do, I replied. What was the other incident you remembered? Oh, God, that one was at work with an employee. I got on him for not being precise on determining some results on work he was doing. I reacted. Later, I realized it was my illusion of my dad and his tearing me down all the time. Well, I've got to go talk to him about this reaction. I said, you are both really doing great with noticing your reactions. This, this takes time and patience. It will become easier and easier as you practice and become more familiar. Awareness is the key for both of you. And to gain awareness, Awareness, we need the four P's, as I call it. Presence, patience, practice, and positive thinking. And this just simply means doing your best to be in the moment with your thoughts and feelings as much as possible. Cutting yourself some slack as you learn all this, repeating it over and over and over, and keeping a positive outlook. Doing all this with curiosity and a sense of wonder. So we were running out of time in the session, and I, and I told them, look, keep up with the awareness of your reactions this week and make note of them so that we can discuss this. Char, we didn't get to talk about yours much, so we will next time. And I want to continue a discussion of the four Ps. So I, I'm going to text you both to remind you of what they are so that you can look at them during the week. 
So that was the end of the session. It's funny that this part, as you get into it, like when you were first starting to work with them, the the awareness piece and, you know, we we use the analogy of an artichoke, right, that it begins oh, right. to open up and then you can get to the heart of it. It must get frustrating for couples because the that awareness and the holding up the mirror part, you have this like, oh, there it is. You know, there's hope. <laughs> we can figure this out, whatever. But then it slows down with the work part. Yeah, the practice. Right. And the patience, right? I mean. Those P's are a pain. <laughs> the fifth P. <laughs> the fifth P. All right, five P's. Pain in the butt. No, no, we won't put that one in there. But, you know, it must be interesting because as a as a witness to this process, you know, it was like going gangbusters in the beginning where there was like these, you know, aha moments as Oprah liked to call them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, you know, there's hope and here's here's Steve's baggage and here's Char's stuff and here's this. And, and they're having all of these these aha moments all over the place. And now that you're getting into the moments of awareness, and I can even speak for myself, you know, it's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no fun. <laughs> well, and that the patience part's really important, too, because sometimes one partner or the other is in a more, they're getting it more than the other one at that moment, right? And then so you got to be patient and bring them along, and or, or they're not getting it, mm-hmm. and, and you you know, you've got to be able to work with them. And that's the whole curiosity and and wonder and positive thinking part. Doing it together, helping each other along so that you don't feel so alone in this amazing endeavor of awareness. Well, and the other thing that I find is that in in me doing the homework and seeing the things that trigger and also recognizing how I react to things, um, I am so guilty of the not the assessment piece. You know, like there's the um, the thing about, you know, what happens when you make an assumption <laughs> and that whole expression? Well, the other thing is an assessment, right? And it's powerful stuff. It's very powerful. We'll talk about this some more. Let's do it. All right, yeah. let's do it. All right, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So everyone, homework, watch your reactions this week. See if you can make a note of them. Yes. And in the meantime, if you want to connect with Greg, remember, you can go to his website, KuiperCounseling.com. There's all kinds of information about his blog and this show and social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, everybody. Stay aware out there. See you next week. 